Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou and Russell Dennis again for the Nonprofit Exchange. And as usual, we have a very, very intriguing guest on this episode, Barry Alcatel from just south of Brisbane, Australia. It's called the Gold Coast, Barry? It's called the Gold Coast here. It's where the Commonwealth Games were held just recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Russell's in Denver, and we're, uh, we're having a good time, and we're having to accommodate the time because our normal time for Barry would be in the middle of the night. He likes us, but he doesn't like us that well. So we're, we're accommodating. So Barry, um, I put a little dangler out there about Barry Ocatel. We're going to talk about conversations today. We'll just leave that hanging for a minute, but tell people who Barry is. Okay. Hi, Hugh. Hi, Russell. Look, great to meet you guys again. And, uh, Look, my, my background is quite varied. I've got a, a very, very background. I started off as an accountant, actually, for Pricewaterhouse. So I, I sort of worked through the lines of there for a few years and, and recognised that accounting really wasn't my thing. But it gave me a great background into business and into how businesses work. And I decided then I really wanted to go teaching. There was an innate call in me to teach. And I ended up teaching for about 15 years and my areas of expertise were actually accounting, computers and religious education of all things. I've also got a uh, background and a theology degree as well. So I've got a business degree, I've got a theology degree and I've got a master's in education. So it sort of keeps me quite busy. And about 1997, it actually happened. I left teaching in 97 to set up my own business called iPower, which has now been operating for 21 years. iPower is about improving people's physical eyesight, but it also looks at people's vision of life, how the two are connected. that's really what I've been working with in a whole variety of fashions since 97. Now, conversations is the topic of this um, interview. And conversations is a, technically a game, but it's a game with a purpose. So what was the inspiration for developing? And it's pretty, it's pretty intricate and complex. It's easy to play, but it, you sure. can tell there's, there's a lot of uh, psychology, philosophy, thought underneath the principles here. So what was your inspiration for creating this? This It's really a tool. It's really a communication tool for connecting people. That's what it is and transforming relationships. The origin of the game is really quite fascinating because as much as I have a teaching background and I was helping groups, and by that stage I was helping adults and supporting adults, I was recognizing that people weren't communicating properly. But I had no intention that this is way back in 2001. And all I did is I went to bed one night really frustrated because my work wasn't taking off as much as I wanted to. You know, when you're a startup business and things are really slow. And I was really frustrated one night and I went, what is going on here? You know, like, and that was the G-rated version. You know, I was just really frustrated. And I went to sleep that night and I literally had a dream about the conversations game that night. 
and I had all these things I wanted to, had to get done. And in the next three days, I put together the conversations game. And to this day, I don't know how, but all the other things got done as well. And I don't remember doing anything else. I just remember working on doing the very basics of the conversations game. And within two weeks, Neil Donald Walsh, who's Conversations with God and founder of Humanities Team, the not-for-profit organisation there, played the game and really endorsed it. He just said, this is fantastic. You've got to get this out there. You need to bring it to America. We're not talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I've, been, I've been really lucky. I've had the fortune of going around the world. And by and large, people are the same. That's the one thing I have found around the world is when we take out our politics and take out our different religions, underneath all of that, we're just really wanting to connect to each other. And, and be kind and, and look after our families and, and have a good life, you know, like it, it's almost the basic processes. And what I found that the game does, and, I, and I've played it with people, I've had 10 countries play it once on Zoom where we had 10 countries played it, you know, one time. And it was a fascinating experience to see that we're all really, you know, this experience that we're all one, we're all having the same issues, the same concepts, the same desires, the same wishes. It's fascinating, isn't it? Um, so give us some a uh, couple of examples of here's what was going on. People were not connecting. They did yep. the game, and then on the other end, what happened? Oh, look, one of the very early ones that just comes to mind is it was the first birthday of conversations, and I decided to have an open house and invite people around. And I had this one person walk in and, and she was from a really fundamental, strict religious background. And she was like, you know, really making sure that there was going to be nothing spooky going on or anything like that because it was, you know, was going to affect her religious beliefs. And I said, look, just welcome. You know, have a seat, have a cover. You'll be right. You know, and I just eased her into it. The next person walked in, the very next person that walked in, I said, welcome, you know, welcome to the game. Would you like a cup of tea before we start? And she literally looked up to the sky and said, yes, my angels told me I can have a cup of tea. Oh, wow. And I went, wow, this is going to be an interesting game, isn't it? <laughs> it was almost the two extremes in terms of beliefs that you could get, you know? And, and this is going back, this is way back. This is back in the mid-2000s. And when I, this is a, a one-year release when I actually printed the game in 2005. So back in 2006 and I was thinking oh my goodness what's going to happen here you know like how are these people going to get on and what happens is a miracle I believe is a miracle I've played this game over a thousand times and the miracle was not only did I have not have an argument because I could see that they're different viewpoints and and whatever but somehow the game drew out of them what was similar so much so that not only did they not have an argument, they exchanged phone numbers and became friends. And that to me showed me the potential then of what could happen with the game. Oh my word. Yeah. I guess people need to come to the game with an open mind and a willingness just to, to talk. That's right. And just be open. And the game is sort of designed in a way that people talk as deep as they're comfortable with. And the idea is 
to slightly extend people's comfort zone, not to push them out of their comfort zone. So let's extend ourselves and let's see how we go. And, and, and a really good example is I received two emails once and one was from a, grand, a grandfather and one was his granddaughter. And they both actually sent me a letter to thank me because they had their first ever real conversation with each other. <laughs> You've you played know, like we talk to each other with your family and we, we give all the you know, roles, I guess, especially as a grandparent or something like that. Uh -huh. And we talk to each other as two human beings having a conversation. And Barry, that's the big gap in, in all of our systems. We're, we're talking to leaders that are running um, religious institutions, membership organizations, cause-based charities, um, community foundations. We're, we're talking to people that have a very um, tight network of people gathered around a particular philosophy. That doesn't mean they talk to each other. Yes. In the church in America, uh, you know, the mainline denominations, uh, there, there's a little bit of revitalization energy going on but we've lost a lot of members. And part of it is this whole thing is we come and we sit, we don't interact, we go home and we just don't talk to each other in meaningful ways. Sure. So, so it, can we play a little bit of this game with you and Russ? Sure. I think that's going to be the easy thing. We could, I, I've got to like, the game normally goes between one and two hours, but we can do a 10 minute demo and that'll give you guys and it'll give everyone listening a chance to get a feel of what this is about because you know, I guess there's a little bit of intrigue. Like, Russell hasn't played it. I can see he's almost intrigued there already, aren't you, Russell? He's intrigued. Okay, Russ, you ready? You willing to do this? I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay. Um, the, the game itself, just a, a, as an outline, the game itself has three cycles. It has an aspect cycle, which is an aspect of life, and that might be career or health or something like that. Then we look at a life card cycle, which I nearly call the drama card. You know, the, the, the poor me, it's someone else's fault, all that stuff. And that was the easy part for me to do. And then we have the inspiration cycle, which is to step out of that. All right. And, and that's really what the game is about, is that whole inspiration of how do we move forward. And the purpose of the game, just before we, we play here, I want to take up your point about communication. Mm -hmm. I, I believe real authentic communication is a two-way process. One is we need to be able to speak and feel safe speaking, authentically speak and know that we're not going to be criticised. So part of this game is when someone speaks, no one comments on them. So they get to speak without anyone saying that was a good answer or a bad answer or why don't you do this or try to fix someone or something like that. So there's no fixing allowed in this game. In actual fact, we only use I statements. That's part of the game. We only use I statements. There's no we all need to do this or there's no you need to do this. It's for me, I might choose to meditate more or do something. So that, that's the first part. The second part of the game, and it's really an important aspect, and I used to call it active listening, about really listening to each other. And I've shifted that in the last six months because I've done some work with the nonviolent communication and empathic communication work. And, and I really believe now it is about empathic listening. You know, it's not just listening to the words, it's listening to what's behind the words. And when we can do that and really tune in and get a feel for what the person's about and have some empathy for the person and have some empathy for yourself, you can then relate what's being said to yourself. 
And that part I can create, the game creates that. The final part of the game that I can't create, but the game somehow magically does that, is to create an openness and a connection with all those who play. Because somehow by people having a physical card in their hand gives them permission to open up. It just seems to do that. And when we do that, we recognise that we are similar. Wow. I mean, that's sort of real introduction. I'm going to start the game with us. Ready? Drum roll, please. Okay. So we're going to go through each cycle and we're just going to keep it really short. So we're going to keep our answers down to a minute just to allow our 10-minute idea that I suggested. We're going to get this done in 10 minutes. And so the first part of the cycle is we choose an aspect. And so, Hugh, because you've played first, I'm going to choose an aspect for you. And these are all so-called random. I don't believe in random. But <laughs> the aspect I've got for you, Hugh, is fame and glory. Fame and glory. And I'll give you one of the dot points. And the dot point here is see yourself as equal to others. Okay. So would you like comment on what fame and glory means for you and I guess in context with not-for-profit organization and seeing myself equal with others was that the other yeah, part? that's the point that came up for you yes well part of how I perceive that is that um, I like this statement nobody's perfect but parts of me are excellent and so there's parts of me that are really good and I focus on those and I just take it in stride. Other people value it and say, oh, that's really good. And it's part of who I am. And it's my way of giving to other people. And so fame and glory for me is just focusing on what I do really well and, and maximizing that, that gift, that space that I give to others. Okay, thank you. And, and part of that is, you know, Everyone playing can relate to that. I mean, I can say I'm nodding, and I can see Russell nodding as well, and and I'm sure this will also relate to all the people listening. So, it's it's interesting how this game, you know, it's for one person but can expand to everyone, and, and that's the the amazing part. Um, Russell, I've got a card for you, and your card is rest and relaxation, and. The dot point, I'm just going to give, there's four dot points with each of these cards to help people with their answer, but I'm just going to give you one of them. And the one I want you to comment on is allow the soul time to recuperate. Rest and relaxation. I, yeah. I'm a firm believer that for me, uh, it's important to raise my level of consciousness whatever I'm facing. And that is what fuels me and gives me energy to go out and try to make a difference in the world. And in order to give, I, I believe we live in a reciprocal universe. So I have to recharge my batteries uh, from time to time so that I'm able to serve at a high level and give to other people. So for me, uh, uh, what's restful and relaxing it's my meditation practice that I do daily. It's a chance for me to shut down, notice what's going on uh, within me, and to look at my day. And just not attach myself to anything, whether it's good or bad, but just to notice where I'm at. And to, to carve a space of supreme gratitude so that I can continue to 
serve and recharge. And so part of that rest and relaxation is turning the squirrel cage off and sensing that connection to the universe. That's wonderful. Thanks, Ross. I, I, I really want to honour you for just coming out and sharing that with us. And uh, first game, so you really sort of jumped into it. That's awesome. And, and, and I, I'm sort of amazed of how close the answers can be too as we get these. So I'm just going to choose mine just to round the first cycle off. And, and the card that I've got is humour. And uh, so that's a really good one here. And uh, I'm going to read the very first point. And the very first point says, it's only a game. <laughs> I think it's a really good one for me. You know, like sometimes I can take myself so seriously. You know, we're playing this conversations game and it's a very serious game and we're going to go deep and, and we don't better not smile because, you know, all those sort of serious. And, and I, I think it's really important for me always to remember to bring humour, you know, when I educate people, when I do my training, you know, I do a six month mentoring training, I, I run training around the world and I just have to use humour as part of that because otherwise I get bored, you know, and it just, I think it's a great way when people laugh, we learn and, and I have a really big belief we can go deep and laugh at the same time. It's not a choice. So really interesting three cards we've got fame and glory rest and relaxation and humor coming up for the three of us so really interesting combinations so that's that's the first cycle and, and people go around and if we've got time at the end which we won't do today we could look at where the interactions are between each of those aspects which are it's really quite interesting in itself how many people can do this at one time look the game has 16 aspects so i normally run um, small groups between two and 32 people because 32 you can pair people up and do things like that. I've actually played with 300 people at a conference where they had me play with the entire audience. So, you know, it is possible to play the game with large groups and, and you just do it differently as part of the facilitation process I've done with this and with an educational background, I've been able to create a whole variety of ways of playing the game. So, you know, it can be used as, you know, I've used it in, well, it was used in a 300-seat auditorium in New Zealand and they got me in to be the entertainment at half time to connect people. So that was sort of done that way. Sweet. But let's continue. Let's continue. We'll go into our life cycle now. So the life cycle, as I said, Nelly called this a drama cycle. And normally we each would get a turn, by the way, um, if it's a small group and a large group, we obviously couldn't. Today, we're just going to choose one card as an example. And uh, Russell, I'm going to let you, you're choosing the card for us. So you get to get the card. So all you need to do is just, I'll read the card out and just say, what does it mean for you? And what does it mean in terms of your aspect? And then I'm just going to get you to invite only one of us to speak. Okay. Because one of the things you learn in this game is you don't always have to speak about everything all the time. And for some people, that's a really good learning process, you know, like, oh, I don't have to say something. So I'm going to let you choose whether Hugh talks about fame and glory from this card or I talk about humour from that viewpoint. But what I want you to do is just say, what does this card mean to you and what does it mean in terms of rest and relaxation? That's all you need to do at this point. Okay. 
And you don't have to agree with the card either. You can disagree with it. These aren't stone tablets, so you can disagree with them. Okay, and the card says, I find it difficult to love myself. What that means to me is that person doesn't really recognize the, how exceptional they are. So, Hugh, what does that card mean to you? Um, I don't have difficulty with that. As my standards are pretty low. <laughs> I, I, I accept myself. I actually criticize myself heavily, but judging my performance and loving myself, I've been able to think of in different ways. So part of fame and glory in Barry, I get to conduct an orchestra this season. And so that's very public. And in my little community, that's part of fame and glory. And, and I'm up there and everybody, of course, when you're in front, they're going to judge you. But I've gotten to a place where I just do what I do and celebrate it because I know somebody's going to like it. And that means being comfortable in loving myself. So it's a journey of, of saying, okay, I'm going to let go of the flaws and love myself just how I am. And that's part of personal empowerment for me. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Russell, did you, your card, did you want to make any other comments before we move on? Well, I think that's an interesting card. A lot of people may or may not choose to look at that. It's really something that's important to look at, though, as far as rules around how, what rules we set for ourselves for living. I love it. I love this. This is, this is really deep. And, it, it, you know, of course, the way to, to uh, really solve things is to look uh, within myself and start there. Yep. Yeah. And so one of the things we would do in a game is uh, I would probably call you in a real game to say, use I statements rather than we all need to do this or we do this to go back to, for me, this means, you know, like it really is a key concept in this game to keep coming back to self, you know, and, right, and then right. the rest of us go, Oh yeah, I can relate to that as well. Because yeah. um, my, own, my own personal journey is I'm a little bit stubborn. When anyone tells me what to do, I, I tend to do the yeah. opposite anyway, just to, yeah. Uh, well, people don't want to be told what's wrong. So, no, you know, no, it's like meditation. You know, like you said, you know, like if you say, like, we all need to meditate. It's like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but if I if you say when you say I meditate every day, I go, yeah, look, I can relate to that because you know that's yeah. what I'm doing well, or or you know maybe I need to do that wherever it is. So it, it gives people permission to come on board without the inner request, rather than being demanded to come on board. And uh, so I think that's a really important process. All right, we're going to move, we're going to keep this fairly quick. We're going to move to the inspiration cycle. Um, Russell, I'm going to start with you again first. Um, and the inspiration's about, we'll just get you to make, maybe just one sentence about this. We're going to keep this fairly short for each of us, just to give us an idea. But this is sort of moving it up to a higher level after the, you know, the, the life card shows us the drama in the aspect. This takes us to another place. So your card says, what would happen if everyone did, this. I believe that if everybody did this, that, uh, that there'd be a, an increase in the level of collective consciousness for all the people that participate. Awesome. Thank you. And my card says, give to another whatever you choose to have for yourself. 
And, and it's really interesting because I've been doing a mentoring program and as I support other people in stepping up and it is about raising their consciousness as well. And I work with raising consciousness and frequency as I'm helping them to raise their consciousness and frequency, my consciousness and frequency increases as well. And, and it just comes back to me. So I think it's a great card for me. And Hugh, your card is interesting one. Affirmations work better when they are about something that you or that is already true for you. Hmm. 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 At 72 years old, <clears throat> I'm finding that there's anything that I do, there's still room for growth. And yep. so um, working on the skills I have, my top skills makes them better. <clears throat> the ones that are down the, the ladder a little bit, I don't need to mess with those. I want to focus on affirming who I am and what I do. So focusing on what I am makes it better and that my top skills makes them continue to grow. Awesome. Thank you. And, and, and that's sort of a really quick version. We've gone you know, a little maybe about 15 minutes into that, but we could have discussed that a little bit further with each other, a bit similar to cycle two. We could ask each other about that, but it gives us a bit of a feel for what this is about. And just before we continue with the interview, I just want to complete the, the game properly. Um, Hugh, can you just say, what did you personally get out of the game? Just maybe in one sentence for yourself. What did you find out about yourself from this game? Absolutely. It, it made me think about myself in ways that I would not normally do. And I felt a little vulnerable, but it felt safe. Yep. Great. Thank you. Russell? I love this game. I, I think it's wonderful. And the thing that I noticed, I have to be very careful because of the, the circles I run around in. I, I run into a lot of like-minded people and my language in general is inclusive. But I have to be very careful to come from the place uh, of, of talking from within my own experience so that I'm not putting anybody on the spot but being more inviting for them to, to uh, uh, relate in a way that's uh, comfortable for them. Thank you. That's wonderful insights. And look, for me, as I said, I've played this game over a thousand times and I just don't get bored because I always learn something about myself. You know, this is really a workshop in a box that you get. And, you, know, you get to play a workshop every time. And the key one for me, I think, is what was my inspiration card as a reminder as, as I'm of service to others. That comes back to me and I am recognizing my life is really amazing at the moment. I, I, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life and I'm serving people more over have. So the, the two fit hand in hand. So that's pretty cool. So that's sort of a nutshell view of the game and Russell. So congratulations Russell of completing your first demo and uh, you for, you've played this a number of times now. So It's always different, Barry. It seems to always be different for me. And that's, it's, it's like you go to a museum and you see a great work of art. It's different every time you look at it. There's sure. more depth to it. Yeah. And, and that's, look, that's so true for me. I, I do get bored pretty easily, you know, in life. And I've got like, I've done a whole lot of different things. And this is something that I do not know a game where I played that I was bored because it just, you're always learning, especially, you know, I can play a whole game now and just listen to people talk and, 
you go, wow, you know, and, and it's just fascinating to not to have to be the speaker and just let people talk about what's happening and how it relates to me. I mean, I can relate to both of what you said, Hugh and you, Russell, in terms of my own life. Well, the, 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 I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead. Yeah, the one, one, the one aspect of this, it just never gets old because every time you sit down with it, you're in a different place. And I think the dynamics of solving very real human problems yeah. requires us to, uh, requires me, there I go again, lesson learned, requires me to, to look at where I'm at and, and to constantly evaluate how I can do that and how I communicate with other people. It's all sure. dynamic. And where I started with that, Russell, was with my own family. You know, that was the first place I played the game. And it really connected my own family. And I can remember, you know, my children were only teenagers at the time. And, and both boys, the older boys, were really quite talented and, you know, and all sorts of things. And, you know, even as teenagers, they were setting up international businesses, you know, like that, was that entrepreneurial skill. And my daughter said, oh, you know, like, you know, how can I be like you guys or something like that? And, and they turned around during the game and just said how amazing they thought that she was and, and just what a life she's got ahead of her and her gifts and her talents. And they just really opened up on a heart base to each other. And uh, my daughter's now having an engagement party here in Australia next month. And, and my, the two boys are flying from America and from England just to be at her engagement party you know just to support her and it's really connected them together you know for life i believe what i've experienced that's different than normal interactions is that being a musician i've worked on my listening ability my whole life we need to be very intentional about listening and you're your pivot from active listening to empathetic listening, I believe I heard the word. It's there's a there's a willingness to understand the intent behind this. And so it's a whole different paradigm. Where where has that been very helpful in in games where people have been at odds? Where's that perspective been helpful? I think it's helpful when we recognize that we have different language. You know, and so it is about stepping in and Sometimes we can get caught on the words, you know, and, and I know for corporate and some organisations, like one of the aspects is unconditional love. And sometimes I've got a corporate edition which actually calls it unconditional acceptance. And I've recognised that sometimes it's just our language that holds us back in, in the words that we use. And if we can go behind the words and, and get a feeling for what's going on, we're not going to get caught in the language. And... And that's the same, you know, when we use words, especially words that can have a charge, like, you know, when we talk about love or, or we use a word like God, you know, or universe or spirit, you know, and people have different ways of, you know, expressing that and just allowing and accepting of that, that ultimately we're referring to the same thing. We just, the energy behind it is what's important. Well, we, we have um, nonprofits and religious institutions, cause-based charities attract people around a cause. It, and we have passion for the cause, but it doesn't mean that we know how to interact around how we work together. Sure. I think there's a, there's a big gap 
we we spend time texting and we spend time on the cell phone. We spend time emailing and doing things on our computer and posting on social media. We're not really having a conversation where we are listening and where we're claiming the I statements. So I think this takes us out of all of those routines and has a face-to-face relationship. Um, and so I, I see in nonprofits, there's a lot of important work for us to do because government shouldn't be doing some of the stuff they're trying to do. It's creating conflict. Nonprofits can come in and have a neutral place and, sure. and, and do some healing and do some, some philanthropic work that we're cut out to, to, to do. That would necessitate us being, um, I call it a new architecture of engagement. How do we, how do we show up as this fine-tuned music ensemble? that we're, we're in there and we're actually working together. So there's a, there's a special place, I think, for nonprofits in this communication area. How, how do you see communication playing there? I just want to make a comment about that because I actually used to work for a project called Living, Living for Harmony in Australia, and it was about bringing all the different cultures together and recognising, you know, how can we get on together rather than being separate? And that was a, a project that was really about bringing people together, people from the streets right through to politicians coming together and just being open and honest with each other. And, and obviously the game was part of that process of connecting people, of having a deeper conversation. It's been played in church groups. It's been played for not-for-profit groups. It's been played for corporations. It's been played for schools. And it's been played at university levels. And it's really whenever we need to have a greater conversation. And and I believe, especially when we're talking about not-for-profit, because a lot of people for -for not-for-profit come in and volunteer their time because there's a higher purpose to why they're doing it. And in return, sometimes all they want to do is to be heard. They want to have a voice and say, you know, you matter. What you're doing is important to us. So, you know, we're hearing you, we're listening to you and that you are important. Well, so what are you thinking there? Well, I think that's very critical to being able to get support for the mission for nonprofits because you've got so many different audiences that you're talking to. And some of them are internal. That's your staff, your board, your volunteers, or servant leaders, as we like to call them. There's the community that you work in. There are the various people that support you, whether it's through corporate sponsorship or they give you grants, uh, individual donors. <clears throat> so it's really important to talk to people in terms that are meaningful to them without losing who you are. And so having the, uh, a good conversation uh, is critical to that. And it, it's difficult to find that language where it works for everyone so that there's no misunderstanding and it's it's what it's all about that's how you bring people into the fold or or the way that i feel you bring people into the fold is that you connect with them at a deep level so that you're working toward the same things and you have have that deep understanding and uh it's the ability to put what needs to be done ahead of my own uh uh individual goals for the greater good. So it's really important to have good conversations around how you do that. Definitely. Yep. Well spoken. And and um the whole shift in paradigm, Barry, um it 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 takes us out of 
feeling like we've got to have the answer to something to the place where we're exploring what the answers could be. And and one of the uh, religious writers I read is Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. And he's very eloquent in talking about non-dual thinking. We want it to be good or bad, left or right, up and down, debit credit. And really there's, there's, there's a third way. There's a different way, you know, multiple different ways. So instead of being dualistic, let's talk about the other options. And part of this, um, do you experience when people are playing the game that there's times of silence where there's some profound things going on without words? It, it's been really quite interesting because it's the realization. And I'll, I'll give you two examples of this because part of the game when we say don't interrupt people is I also allow people an opportunity when they pull a card to sit with it for a while because sometimes it can have a really profound effect and Part of the magic of the game is not only do they get a card, but, you know, even in the game we play, we seem to get the exact cards that we need on the day. You know, it just seems to happen that way. And we've had two cases. One case, I remember, a guy got uh, personal growth and spirituality. And there was a group of about 20 people. And he actually threw the card on the ground. And he said, I don't want to play. And it was really good because no one in the group reacted. And they just looked at me and I was like, what are you going to do? And I just said, it's your choice. Like, you know, like, we're going to force you to do anything here, you know, like, do what you feel comfortable with. And he said, but I want to stay. And I said, all right. You know, and I thought about it and it was sort of like a choice. Well, what's he going to do to the group? And I thought, no, you can stay. It just felt like he needed to stay. And he stayed and we got about halfway through and we had a break and we started playing the second half of the game. And I said, any questions? And he puts his hand up and he said, uh, Barry, can I play again? And I said, sure. I said, your card's on the ground there, exactly where you left it. If you want to go and pick it up. <laughs> Spoken like a true teacher. And uh, he went and picked the card up. And I said, who wants to go next? And his hand went straight back up again. I want to go next. And he pulled a card. And what came up is that he'd had some been burnt a little bit through his own spiritual life and walked away from it. And this night was the time that he came back to it. And he recognised that he couldn't run away from it anymore. And it was an amazing process where it was, it was in the silence of no one trying to fix him and allowing him to make that choice to return to the game, to return to his own spiritual life that created a change in him. Uh, and that was quite remarkable. And, and since I did get humour, I did have another one. I got another lady got food once. And she, the two people almost walked out. She got food. And uh, she got, oh, no, I shouldn't get food. You know, I should have got personal growth and spirituality or unconditional love or I got food, you know. Like, I should have been something more important than that. You know, that's what you're saying. I don't want to play. And I said, look, that's fine. <laughs> Why do people keep asking permission, you know? Like, so she got up to leave and she got to the, to the door. And at the door, she turned around and she looked at the group and the light bulb moment. And she said, maybe it's because I had an operation on my stomach last month. <laughs> and the entire group just started laughing. <laughs> You know, like the connection was so strong and it, and it made her laugh, you know, like 
and recognise that that was what was important to her. In natural fact, of all the aspects, food has the biggest charge for people because it's like how we relate to food or don't relate to food and, and use it as an emotional crutch and all sorts of things. So, you know, those sort of scenarios, you know, show me that the power of what's behind the game more than what I do or even more than what the game does. There's a, almost like a, its own energy that runs with it. And there's a shift for me. There's, we're in a high performance culture, no matter where you live, we're expected to do things. And sure. we shift, we can shift from being human doings to human beings and, you know, live in the moment and be in touch with parts of us that we haven't been in touch with in a while. Totally. And, you know, my, my greatest gift for me, and I'm really grateful, is the fact that I get to do this all the time. You know, I get to open up and I get to see and witness people opening up. And, and the two biggest groups I get to witness, one is the person who's really quiet and doesn't say anything. And we'll normally get a card and say, I don't normally speak and I don't know what to say, but if I had to say something, and then they just cut out this wisdom. <laughs> and then the other one is the person, and you might know these people as well, the ones that talk all the time. And they come up to me at the end and they say, it was great that I didn't have to have an answer for everything. And I learned that I can actually be quiet because part of their thinking process is they have to have an answer for everything that's said. Isn't that funny? We've imposed that on ourselves. We have to fill every minute with talking and we have to have answers for everything. Sure. And I keep, I keep seeing celebrities being interviewed and the interviewer wants to trick them and ask them these hard questions and they, they stumble with the answers. And I'm thinking, why do you try to answer? Just say next question. I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> the questions haven't been too bad here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I've been trying for myself to to operate out of the philosophy that it's no accident of design that I've got two ears and only one mouth. Yes. And so my best bet is to try to at minimum use them proportionately. <laughs> Funny. So Barry, if people wanted to find out about this conversation scheme, what's the URL they can go to? Um, look, the easiest one is conversationsthegame.com and .au, .au for Australia. So it's conversationsthegame.com.au. Conversations is the name of the game. And then you say V-E-T-H-E game.com yep. or .au. .com.au. Oh, .com.au. Yes. Got to have them both. Have both. We have a dot com because it's it's uh, relating to my business and dot au because it's Australia. Whoa! We'll put that in the notes, and um, so people can go there. We um we like to keep these interviews under an hour, and I think we've given people a huge amount of value today. And is there a, a it's a physical game? Is there a virtual version of this game? Look, one of the things we're looking at, and I went to CEO space, as you know, Hugh, and part of what I'm looking at is to create an online version. I, I do play online with people like we do here. And my goal is to create an online version to connect people around the world so that people can start creating relationships and, and building friendships and building connections with people around the world. So 
the, a number of things coming up. One is that uh, the Conversations Online is a project that if you go to the website, there's some information on that, uh, if people are interested or interested in being part of it. Um, and the other one is the Conversations Documentaries, where we video full games and allow people to express who they really are. Because one of the things I recognise is sometimes when people have been doing a lot of media, they almost have a script for answers and you don't get to know who's the person behind the script. And I think people would be really interested to know who are the, some of the celebrities of who they are behind the scripts. And I think some of these people would be more than open to say, you know, we've had to work through this ourselves. So, you know, some of the new thought leaders would say, well, we just didn't get here. We've had to come from somewhere and we've had to work through this process. So, the documentaries will be there to support that and we're going to start those in Australia as early as this year. So, but there's information on both of those on the website. There's information for people who want to be facilitators of the game. You can get a game now and play it with your family and friends. If you want to play it as part of larger groups, there's processes I do to help people with that. And, and I'm really here just to help you in whatever way, you know, for your organisation, whatever that is, to get that movie and to get your people talking to each other, to get the people who they work with talking with each other, getting their families talking with each other. I'm going to give a message for our sponsor. We do these because we have sponsors that support our work. And then we'll come back to you to close it up. Uh, and Russell, if you have a closing comment, but Barry, to leave people with, you know, what's a wish, what's a thought, what's a tip? What's the final statement you want to leave with people? Our sponsor for this one is Rock Paper Simple, rockpapersimple.com. It's, it's not just a web company. It's not just a marketing company. It's not just a branding company. It's letting people know about your brilliance online. So the new centervisionleadership.org site was built by Rock Paper Simple, and it just launched last night, as a matter of fact, guys. So Rock Paper Simple forward slash Hugh, H-U-G-H, there's special offers for people that, that want to take advantage of the brilliance of Joshua Adams and his team. So Russell, before we give it to, to Barry to give our final thought, what would you like to, to say to Barry or, or to us? Well, Barry, thank you for the, the work you've done to create this. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And it's something I want to look into because in my conversations with people, the one thing I want to highlight is that they have uh, all, all sorts of brilliance already. And uh, I'd love to help people tap into that brilliance because they've got a lot of their own answers. So I ask a lot of questions. And this is a remarkable tool that, that can help enhance that process. So thank you very much for the work you're doing. And uh, I look forward to, to interacting with you more in the future. The same here, Russell. It's been great to meet you. And uh, my, my wish for the game, I'm, I'm going to put my big wish here for the game. And my real desire, I know when I created the game, the dream was actually more than the game. That part of the dream, there was a grassroots approach to get the game out there. So it wasn't a Mattel toy that you buy in the shop and things like that. It was people supporting people, supporting people. So my wish is that this game is in every family. Every family gets the opportunity to play it. That every church has it available in the church 
to help its congregations. Every not-for-profit organisation has it to help support the volunteers and the amazing work that people does. I want every corporation to have it, to have a game so that we create a new way of doing business with each other. And I want schools to have it so the kids know that they're safe and can talk to each other as well. And that, that's my real wish. And, and I know I can't do that alone. I know it has to be a grassroots. And, you know, if there's people out there that want to be part of this and help with that process, you know, we've already got 100 facilitators around the world and we haven't built up America yet. So, you know, there's a whole opportunity there to look at that as well. If people want to support that process of making a difference in, in the way we relate to each other. And, and I just want to thank you, Russell and you, Hugh, for the opportunity today to just to show people just how amazing this game is, because I really feel I'm a custodian for this game. Having come through a dream, I feel that sort of sense of responsibility to nurture it and to get it out there to the world. Very you're an inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing with uh, the nonprofit community on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thanks, you, and thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.